The following message was given at Grace Community Church in Minden, Nevada. So uh, to begin things this morning, we'll invite Molly up to run us through the prospective budget for this next year. Anybody that's, that's new in the church, I thought I'd just take a moment to explain what, what I'm doing up here. Um, we have a finance committee here at church that, that advises our elders on budget matters. And we've been in existence for a little over a decade now. Uh, Tom Judy, who um, led the financial management of UNR for many years in his career, and I, who have a background in finance management, was asked to... Uh, joined the elders in advising on budget matters many years ago. Uh, we don't have a lot of budget experience in, and finance experience among our eldership. Uh, fortunately, they have better skills. Uh, but, um, but so between Tom and I, and then we're joined from the eldership by Vic and most recently Eric, uh, Pastor Eric, to, um, to just build this budget every year and present it to the elders originally and for their advice and approval, and then to bring it to the congregation. And so the budget that you're going to see now has been uh, reviewed and approved by the elders, and they are recommending it to you, the congregation, for approval for the 2024 year. So are we uh, ready to get rolling there, Nathan? Okay. So um, the first slide we'll bring up here is just giving you a, just a major overview of the budget for the new year. As you can see, we've got our, our income budget between 2023 and 2024. We are proposing that it actually is reduced by just over $50,000. And the reason for that is that we have, over the last several years, seen a slow but steady decline in our overall offering budget. And so we are recommending that the uh, congregation recognize that decline and, um, and also um, consider asking the congregation to turn that around, and we'll get into that a little bit more later. But for now, we're asking the congregation to approve a budget with about a $50,000 decline in income and a um, compensating decline in the expense budget. The decline in the expense budget comes entirely from the elimination of what we had had in our budget for the last couple of years, for the addition of another paid pastoral position, um, initially an intern or possibly a full-time pastor um, that we clearly cannot afford with our giving patterns we're experiencing right now. And so that line item has been removed from the expenditure budget and the income uh, corresponding removed from the income budget. And uh, uh, when the elders come up to do their uh, forum, uh, Pastor Daniel will be talking a little bit more about that as well. Uh, we continue to have a budget for $40,000 recommended to um, add to our major maintenance fund. That, that is for paying for big things like replacing roofs, painting the entire campus, replacing the carpets, flooring, that kind of thing. And, uh, and so basically we've been saving towards that out of every budget year for some time now, ever since we paid off the mortgage on the church building. And that fund is now, is now what I would consider fully funded, meaning that if we continue to con contribute the 40000 every year based on the projections we have in place, when it comes time for a new roof, we'll have the money. When it comes time to repaint, we'll have the money. So that the decision on timing for major maintenance things will be made not based on uh, needing to save up for it or take a special offering for it, but rather will be done 
when the need arises. And so um, we, we're in a good position for that. If we continue to put aside the 40000 a year, we'll be able to pay for things as they arise. And the facilities expansion fund is really, it's just kind of a... Um, it's, it's the leftover. There's no specific plan for facilities expansion in this time. And so, uh, but there is obviously a recognized that at some point we're going to need it. You've been here on Sundays when we are packed out. And, uh, and so we know we need to start thinking about that. And so we've just been making small contributions to that over the last several years. So this next slide shows uh, the pattern that I described just a moment ago in our offerings. You've got three years of our actual offerings, and then the budget for 2023 and the recommended budget for 2024. And so the budget that we've held for the last couple of years has been based on what we experienced in 2020, where we were just under $950,000. But as you can see, we have not met that in 2021 or 2022. In 2023, we will meet and exceed it, but only because we received a very large and generous one-time gift in 2023 that we really felt was um, irresponsible to consider it going forward into the next year because we know it was a one-time gift. So, uh, so while we are in good shape for 2023 as far as meeting budget, we're not there as far as our ongoing offering uh, um, would reflect. So in 2024, based on the current trend, we're expecting to receive $900,000 in offering. The next slide shows the overall income budget, and as you can see, the offering budget is the lion's share of it. We do have a few other categories, and so just to take a moment to explain, when you give um, on an average Sunday, your offering is, uh, goes to support the entire budget of the church. And we'll show what those categories are in just a moment. Um, but there are a few categories that are very specific. When we take an offering for benevolence, that is specifically for helping those in need, more specifically in our body, but also it can be out in the community as well. Uh, the 35000 is based on an estimate of what we've averaged over the years. And so we have, a, we have a very healthy benevolence budget, and it's based specifically on giving to that category. The Sunday School Can is the one that you've just seen passed around. Uh, we have several categories that we fund. Um, some categories that are fund only through the offering can and some categories that are funded both within the general budget and additionally through the offering can. And we'll talk a little bit more about that when that comes up. But so our overall income budget, $968,000 for the new year. Did anyone have a question before I move on on the income side of the budget? Okay, all right. So this next slide shows our recommended expenditure budget for the new year. And uh, as you can see, the lion's share of our budget goes to pay our both pastoral and support staff. A little over 50% of our budget is spent on, on our own staff here at the church. Uh, and then you can see the categories there of others. The next largest thing we do is our missions budget. 17.3% of our budget goes to missions, $156,000. The next biggest one would be down in facilities, a little over 10% of the budget we spend maintaining our facilities. And of course, that is aside from the $40,000 set aside each year. This is what we actually spend in, in any given year, both maintaining and repairing and replacing uh, items needed for facilities here at the church. And so then you can see the other categories, the youth, uh, $10,000. That's almost entirely the, um, the annual 
youth trip down to Riverside for their youth camp. Um, all of the rest of the activities of our young people, including Sunday School, Kids Desiring God, um, VBS, all of those things are listed under other local ministry. So uh, quite a commitment is made there f- for our children beyond the specific youth budget. I should probably call that youth camp there to make that a little more clear. Um, then you see the next one is the same information is shown in a pie form. So you can get a visual picture of, of, and I hope you can see there really clearly, the vast majority of our budget is made up of between the pastoral salaries and the missions budget. Um, so we, we spend most of our um, offering in our congregation here on the advance of the gospel, both locally and abroad. And that is as it should be. And, and so I think that may, the pie makes it really clear what our commitment is to, um, to advance of the gospel in our community and, and all over the world. So any questions on that before I move on? Okay. All right. So um, I do like to always make a point of highlighting about that 17% of our budget that goes to missions and ministries. And I uh, just wanted to point out, I think most everybody knows that we support fully a missionary came out f- that's gone out from our congregation, Megan Wilhelm. I hope you all pray for Megan. Um, beyond Megan, though, we also support missionaries sent out from other like-minded churches, and we support them all over the world. We have missionaries in um, China, Hong Kong, Indonesia, Southeast Asia, South America, Africa, and Spain that we help other congregations support. Um, congregations have sent them out who couldn't fully provide for all of their needs, as, as we've been able to do for Megan. And so we support those missionaries. And then domestically, we support very strategically, not, um, you know, our missions budget is not just a hodgepodge. It's, it's mindful and it's targeted. And so um, l- domestically, we support pro-life ministry very strongly through Life Choices Pregnancy Center and the City of Refuge. Um, some of you may know, uh, Steve and I have a long history with City of Refuge. And um, I can just tell you from that standpoint, Grace Community Church is by far the largest supporter of that ministry and has been for decades. Um, that ministry has survived and thrived because of this congregation's support. So um, I hope you're proud of that and um, continue to support it. Um, we support Christian education from, from elementary on up. Grace, Grace Christian Academy, Sierra Lutheran High School, and the... Um, the uh, um, a seminary that Pastor Brian also helps lead, Reformed Baptist Seminary. Um, we support Christian broadcasting, broadcasting around the world through Pilgrim Radio and um, smaller uh, rural churches and indigenous churches through the Washburns and the Cordes. And then, of course, we support FIRE, which is our um, fellowship group of independent Reformed churches. So, um, so again, very targeted and mindful of the kinds of mission, missions and uh, ministries that we support. Um, the next one shows what our Sunday school can supports. So the first two, Grace Christian Academy and the City of Refuge, also have line items in the budget. And so they receive a regular check every single month based on our church budget that's funded through our offerings. But in addition to that, they're also periodic recipients of the Sunday School can. So if you give into the Sunday School can for Grace Christian Academy or City of Refuge, that adds to on top of the support that those ministries receive through our budget. 
And then we have several ministries that only receive support based on the Sunday School Can. So um, that is the ABBA Fund that was the mission for today. And then CSNTM, that's uh, restoring New Testament manuscripts and um, or preserving them, I should say. And then um, Voice of the Martyrs, the per- um, supporting the persecuted church. is we Our church supports them only through the Sunday School Can. So um, if... Uh, if you uh, if you if you like to be able to support ministries without getting um, a whole lot more mail at home, you can do it through the church. <laughs> um, so just to just want to take a moment to summarize here the um, the decline in the budget for this year is um, it, it is not what the elders would like to see us doing. The elders would like to see us seeking out and hiring another pastor for the church. And again, Pastor Daniel will talk more about that later. Um, but the elders have a finance committee, um, and, uh, and we had concerns about having that line item in the budget uh, because of the, fund, the trend of our ongoing offering. And so um, the, the elders, based on the recommendations of the finance committee, removed that item from the budget. Um, the hope and uh, prayer is that our, our giving will improve again and will support that pastoral position. And again, you'll hear more about that from Pastor Daniel. Um, and then overall, just wanted to point out that we do continue to have a very um, financially responsible budget. We don't spend everything we receive in. We set aside money for our maintenance, and we set aside at least a small amount towards our facilities expansion needs. And um, the um, you can do, I think I already addressed this one. You can just skip on down to that last one, Nathan. Um, so the other facility savings, just wanted to clarify again, um, we don't have a set plan at this, play, at this time for facilities expansion. We just create the budget based on our uh, experience and, and expectations, and um, the, anything left over goes into that category. So right now there's not a determined plan in place for what's going to happen with that, but, um, but we just continue to put a little bit in it each year. It's, it's starting over this year because last year we spent all that we had on putting in the portable uh, building we've got next door for the office and classroom that we're, we're already benefiting from the use of, so... Um, and that's it. That's our whole budget for the new year. We would recommend it to you for approval, and we're open for any questions anybody might have about it. All right. I guess that's it. And the other folks that serve on that committee, like Tom and Vic and Pastor Eric, they tirelessly work at making sure that we are uh, very responsible with the um, entrusted funds that you all as a congregation give to us. And so we take that as a very serious stewardship. Um, but if you know anything about me or Brian or Charlie and our math skills, you should be very thankful that God has blessed us with people like Tom and Molly. Because we'd be broke <laughs> if I had to keep our if our, I had to keep our books. So as Molly said... Um, Upon the recommendation of the finance committee, we've um, removed that fourth pastoral position, and we kind of want to explain a little bit more about that. So uh, I think that was that was added to our budget before I got here. I think it was added in like 2020 or 21. 
And the hope was that as our congregation grew, we would be able to expand our um, paid pastoral staff to reflect that. So uh, while hiring me was filling uh, a void left by Jason, our congregation continues to grow and there are continuing pastoral needs that accompany that. So uh, we want to kind of surface what some of those needs are in our minds and um, be praying as a congregation that God would meet those. So uh, the ideas that we would have for a fourth paid pastoral position, that's a mouthful there, would be um, someone who could give a more focused attention and ministry effort towards the younger folks in our congregation. If you look around on a Sunday morning, you will see that the Lord has blessed us with an abundance of children, and we take our uh, ministry to kids and young adults seriously, and we want to be able to pour in the time that is um, not required, required is not the right word, but needful. So it's no surprise to you that the world is very intent on disciplining, or discipling, that's the word, our children. They're actually not into discipline, but uh, they are eager to disciple our kids in what they ought to believe and what they ought to think or not think. And we are not willing for them to um, not be poured into as a church. So our goal for the young folks that are raised in our church is that by the time that they are adults and ready to go off either into uh, college or trade school or start a family or whatever, they are thoroughly prepared, theologically uh, and by way of moral instruction as well, so that they are equipped to engage in the world thoughtfully and theologically. So having a, a fourth paid person who could give more time and effort there, uh, we desire more help with the preaching and teaching loads here at the church. Uh, we would love help with the counseling um, side of things. So while uh, Pastor Charlie and Brian and I in particular spend a fair amount of time counseling, and Vic and um, Eric as well as they can. Um, we believe that biblical counseling is something that should flourish in a congregation. Uh, as I was explaining it to someone uh, just yesterday, uh, I'd love it if folks would come in and talk when they're like, yeah, if I could use a, a car analogy. It's kind of making a weird sound. Come in then. Don't come be like, you know, I heard knocking, smoke, and it stopped running. You still come in. <laughs> That's where life or uh, a portion of life is at. But man, would it be nice if we could uh, give more attention to just helping folks think biblically and rightly through the complex issues of life. And so if we could have another person trained in that and uh, expending effort there, that I think would be to the great benefit of the congregation. And then, um, and this is just part of a, like a wish list, but if the person could know more about technology than how to turn their computer on, which is where Charlie and I are tapped out at. I think we both have that down to my degree. I just don't turn mine off, so I don't have to do that. But if, if, the, if the fourth guy could um, maybe be more tech savvy than us, which would imply some tech savviness, uh, or administratively gifted, boy, would that be nice uh administration is not my strong suit 
And I don't want to speak for Charlie, but I, I have suspicions it's not his as well. So, and we won't even talk about Brian. So, <laughs> uh, so that is what we would uh, desire. And so even though we're putting forth a budget that is uh, removing a part of what would be needed, even what was there was, was not sufficient to bring on the caliber of person that we would want for this. Uh, we want our church to pray and seek the Lord that God would provide in these ways. So we're trying to, trying to balance between being um, responsible and prayerful and careful with the stewardship of finances that the church uh, gives us, but we also uh, believe that we should be uh, moving forward in shepherding and discipling and working. Uh, our desire for this, pers- for this fourth position would need to see two things. One would be uh, that we would be financially able to do such a thing. So we, we, if we're going to call a person to move himself and his family down here, we don't want to in six months or a year be like, you know what, sorry, we just don't have it this year. Like We, we would want there to be stability and, and that we could show that uh, before we ask someone to move here. The second element that we'd look for is we would want, and I know this might seem like really obvious, we would want the right person for the job. And so this isn't something that we would post on a job board and be fielding um, applications. That's not something I want to do. Charlie loves sifting through applications uh, and calling random odd people, but um, he's the only one among us that wants to do that. So uh, we would prioritize character above everything else. And so um, because we love and uh, appreciate the unity that we have both here as a church but as well as the unity we have on our uh, board of elders currently, that's not something we want to fiddle with haphazardly or uh, carelessly. That would be the right person for the right job. Um, I, I can just speak from personal experience. I uh, am so blessed by the level of unity that uh, the five elders have among ourselves. It is a delight to work with each and every one of them. Uh, that's not a combination that you fiddle with uh, without putting a lot of thought into that. So um, that's, I think, all that I have to say with regards to that fourth position. Uh, we want to open things up for questions on kind of anything. And then if you don't have them, I have some from Pastor Eric. So any questions on what we've said and presented thus far? Uh, this will be the budget presented on next Sunday, I think, for, um, for voting on. Any questions? Uh huh. Up here. I don't know if we should give him the microphone, Daniel. I'm gonna. <laughs> well, so Pat, help me understand what you're saying. You wouldn't hire somebody from California or Arizona. Arizona, yeah, Arizona, uh, not California. <laughs> Yeah, uh, wherever the Lord would provide. He, he, he might choose to uh, raise up someone from our own congregation. It might be someone from the outside. Yeah. This may or may not be the place to talk about this, but for me, I, I've always run a business that has open numbers in my family and open books in my business. Mm-hmm. Are you going to say what the position pays? I think our thought was in the, in the $100,000 range. For, to, to move a young person and his family down, it would be around that. We don't, we don't have a specific number in mind, but we thought 50000 was about halfway there. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. 
um, what are your suspicions or what would you attribute the lack of giving to? Would, I mean, obviously, there's a inflation happening. And what would your encouragement be to, to us, you know, in, in times where things are getting a little bit more desperate? Like, what would you say to that? If that makes sense? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think we're that far off, actually. So, I mean, Molly could address it more. I think that where our giving is isn't like a big, huge drop. So I would attribute just to maybe people not making as much money as they did or something. I, re- I really don't know. That's what I was going to say as well. I think people are just tightening their belts, and we don't know, people don't know what to expect financially. Um, and, yeah, I think there's some fear of, of what is going to happen with the economy and what's happened with inflation. So that's just an assumption. But my encouragement is to keep, like Charlie said, I don't think this is doomsday. I think it's more we're trying to be cautious and have a budget that is um, prepared. Yeah, so uh, Charlie and I, as well as um, Brian, would not, we don't see who gives what. So it's not like I'm like, oh, Jesse stopped giving. Um, so we, we don't have any access to that uh, whatsoever. So as far as what is causing it, I don't know. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and we and we would uh, look for God to provide in the way that He provides us through the congregation, and so if the congregation is providing what she can provide, then we we move forward with that, and um, if we see an increase, we move forward with that. And so we believe that the because we are a form of congregational church governance, we there's there's lots that the Lord uses the congregation to move and lead through, and this would be one of them, and so. Um, we're wanting to be responsible and careful as well as trying to uh, move forward by faith. So that's a, we're trying to delicately balance both of those. So we want to trust the Lord and move forward, and we also want to be good stewards of what's there. And so, yeah. Anything else? Ryan. Thanks. If you are pulling out the proposed additional pastor from the budget for next year, mm-hmm. when would you look to reinsert that, and then what would the time frame be for that person? So are you thinking like two, three, four? Like what's the plan, given that it's being removed this year? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, my thought would be, and, and I'd let these guys weigh in on it, um, would be that if we – if we see a, a good response where we're, we're looking at the budget as it unfolds this next year and say, like, wow, we, we actually do see a response and ability, then I would say that it would be a conversation we develop with the congregation throughout the year saying, hey, we're seeing this. We'd like to plan for that for the following year's budget, and here's the steps that that would look like. So it would, be, it, it would not be in 2024, probably be by the end of it. Would be my guess. I don't know if you'd add anything to that. When we uh, come to these decisions, we kind of talk a lot about it. We don't all come from the same perspective. We just either end up at the same point, or some of us just kind of agree to go along. 
But I think if the person came along uh, at that point, even if that were this year, we'd have a serious conversation with the church, say, hey, this person's here, and we think this is the person for the job, so we'd like to revisit this. Anything else? All right. Chad? The uh, drop in giving, we've kind of hit on this, but different factors. Is one of those church membership has declined, or has that stayed steady and just giving has gone down? I don't believe our membership's declined. I don't think it's declined. Again, we, we really we don't see anything. And so we, we're clueless when it comes to what people give or don't give or anything like that. So it's hard for us to tell you what, you know, if there's any kind of thing that you could look at and see because we never see it. Um, so I really, I really don't know uh, why, why it would be down. Um, giving is a matter of obedience to God, I would say that. So... Um, I don't know what people's hard attitudes are, but, you know, Ingrid and I have always, and I think this is biblical, we, we never look at our budget and go, oh, we don't think we can give to God this time because, you know, we didn't make as much money. I mean, giving to God is an automatic. It comes off of whatever you receive. That's the first thing that you do. It's possible people don't have that attitude. I don't know. But uh, I would think if you do, you should um, look at the scriptures and really think more about that, because you really don't give like, okay, I think I can afford to give to God this week, and I can't afford next week, or I can't afford this week, but I can't afford that week. Is honor God with what he provides for you. And one of the ways to honor God is whatever money he brings in, you honor him with your first fruits. Hmm. Yeah, there, could be, there could be a lot of uh, issues that play into that, Chad. I mean, some of those might just be um, with the rise of inflation, things uh, impacting work could be um, if folks that were regular givers retire, they have a smaller amount that they give from. Again, not seeing any of the giving, I, I couldn't tell you. So uh, there's just lots of factors that go into it. And yeah. All right. Well, Pastor Eric came up with some questions for us to talk about as elders to kind of uh, clean up the time at the end of uh, our forum. So these are from him, uh, so you can blame him for them. Uh, the first is, if you could have one superpower... <laughs> uh, so uh, the real questions that Eric actually sent are... Um, <laughs> I had to sneak that one in, I'm sorry. Uh, if what are some of your hobbies? So this would, I guess, be aimed at, at the elders. What are some of the ho- your hobbies, and how do you uh, hope to glorify God in them? What do you do with your? I don't understand this term. Spare time uh, and giving glory to God in these areas. So I guess trying to aim at what do we do in our all that free time you have, Charlie? <laughs> yeah, I try to sleep. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> And does that glorify God? Yeah. <laughs> the way I sleep, I'm not so sure. Yeah. Uh, so I've slowed down over the years. About the only activity I really pursue anymore is fly fishing. And um, I do that 
when I can, and I think I glorify God in it by not making an idol out of it, but really truly enjoying it when I can enjoy it. Does it uh, improve your prayer life? Yeah, it does. So if I <laughs> actually, for those of you who fish, you know, I get a big fish on the line. I, Lord, please let me lay this. I will. I promise. I'll even be nice to Daniel. If this fish <laughs> doesn't get off the hook. <laughs> Good. So, so it increases your prayer life. Yeah. And I, I would think you'd give the fish to other coworkers that you would have. <laughs> but I, yeah, I'm not experienced. We share it with the people from our Bible study usually. Oh, but, okay, that's the key. And with Carolyn, so I do give it to the coworkers that I actually like. Yeah. <laughs> I think that brings glory to God. <laughs> so, yeah, I have a hobby of I like to hunt and. I think that Pastor Brian's uh, messages through Ecclesiastes has really helped with that. I see that as a gift from God. I see that as the Heavenly Father literally handing me a gift and saying, enjoy it. And um, so I'm in creation. I'm looking at what he's made and marveling at it. I'm thanking him. For it, I'm thanking him for the time that I get to spend with my boys. Um, I get to uh, pray for safety with four boys and horses. That's that's huge, and also just uh, just the ability to uh, to do the things that we take for granted. Uh, not too many years ago, I had a dislocated ankle. I couldn't walk. Started getting chunkier than I am, and it's it was just a kind of a downhill spiral. And so, those things that we take for granted, even the ability to hike, um, that's a gift from our a great heavenly Father. And so I glorify God and just allowing me to be in the backcountry. And also, just I think hunting is a really good way to uh, to teach kids to do hard things and to glorify God and teaching my boys to to do tough things and not to give up. And when they do that, um, to make them men for the kingdom of God. And one of the ways that your, your boys glorify God in that is they give one of their favorite pastors elk steaks. So. Yeah, he's full of these gentle hints. <laughs> <laughs> it's more of a warning. I don't want anyone to, to come in on my trap line. So, <laughs> How about you, Daniel? Uh, so I love, I'm an avid backpacker. Uh, I, I sadly did not get out this year, but I love going and seeing the Lord's uh, creation and marveling at what he made. Um, I've uh, recently, uh, due to the, the, love, the loving and kind influence of one of my neighbors, and it's not Brian, uh, have taken up mountain bike riding uh, since I've moved here to Nevada, and love it. So, um, uh, along with the Ecclesiastes side of things, um, just enjoying each opportunity as its own gift and as a seasonal gift. There'll be a, there'll, there'll come a time where I will not be able to do those things. And so enjoying them for what they are, um, hopefully enjoying backpacking with my kids as they get older, 
and then just recognizing that it was a seasonal gift and that one se- at one point it'll be gone and that's okay and so just to give God glory in the in the intervening time uh, second question Eric put out there is, uh, what are the most challenging and most enjoyable aspects of being a pastor? How can our congregation better pray for us in our challenges and rejoice with us in our joys? Charlie. Yeah. Well, the challenging ones are when people are really hurting, right? And you're trying to help. So that's, that's the real challenging ones. And more so if... You know, the hurt is kind of self-inflicted, I guess, you know, where people are actually caught up in sin and not, not really open um, to either seeing that or not open to actually um, trying to address it in, in, in the way that they could biblically, right? So that's, that's the hard part. And the good part is pretty much everything. I mean, So yeah, to echo what Charlie was talking about, I think the most challenging thing for me is to see people on a trajectory of a train wreck and just begging and pleading and trying to have them repent and and realizing they're not, and you see that with some of the kids. And um, when you see that train wreck about to happen, it's it's painful. It just works you over. Um, and so, what do you do? You pray, you plead, you try to speak the gospel to them, and. Ultimately, God has to do a work that none of us can do, and but it's I think that's super challenging to just to be trusting in that time. Lord, save this kid, save this person um, in your time, and use whatever means necessary to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. The other thing, I guess, for. For joy, man, it's just so, it's wonderful to see uh, people walking with the Lord and people that are, that have challenges and trials, to see them persevering in church, to see them worshiping God, knowing some of the backstory and realizing this person has had trials and struggles, yet he still is here. He's still worshiping. He's still trusting and um, I guess the other thing that is so just a huge joy for me is to just to talk about the gospel, to talk about the gospel in Sunday school class, to talk about um, what Christ has done for us and that he's a rescuer of sinners and to see kids um, get that and to be able to articulate it and to be to ask him a simple question. So tell me what Christ has done. Tell me what is the difference between Christianity and other world religions and have them just just hammer it out. And 
this is who Christ is, this is what he's done for me, and the difference between Christianity and other world religions is God came down and intercedes for sinners. So to me, that's, it's a wonderful thing to not have to coax that out of people and to have that joy spring out of them. Um, that's a huge joy. Yeah, I'd, I'd, agree, I'd agree with what both Charlie and Eric have said. Uh, I might nuance uh, one piece just particularly for me that's been tough. So in the year and a half that we've been at Grace, we've buried probably five to seven times more people than in the seven years of passion I had before that. And so watching people hurt in that regard has been one of the most, diff- yeah, probably the most difficult so far. Just because there's, there's times where it's like, okay, you're, you're in sin, it's self-inflicted. <laughs> I'm going to plead with you to stop and to change and to grow. Like that's, that's, that's a one type of hard. And there's another kind of hard where you're like, this thing doesn't get fixed on this side of eternity. Uh, and, that, and that's just been hard. There's a, a sense of you feel helpless in those moments. Um, you pray for them, you want to be there for them. But uh, ultimately, it's, it's just hard to watch people hurting and feel like you can't do much of anything or anything um, to help with that. So it's just hard. It's just hard because we see a fair bit of that, um, of loss or hurt or something going on in their extended family that you're just going like you have no control over it. It just hurts. So I think, I think that's kind of having a front row seat to that is probably one of the hardest. Uh, one of the joy, that, that, well, the preeminent joy is definitely working with Carolyn. So it's, uh, it's hard to beat that. I, I do torture. <laughs> uh, <laughs> besides working with Carolyn, which is the obvious choice, uh, <laughs> being, uh, while we have a front row seat to the, the worst days in people's life, uh, we also get a front row seat to the best. So being in the hospital room when they, shortly thereafter, welcome a new one into the world. Being one of the first ones to pray with them and rejoice with them when they have a child. Being here uh, to see their children baptized. Um, seeing them on their wedding day. And the fruit of faithful parents praying for God-fearing a spouse for their child answer with a resounding amen and the joy of a big church family to celebrate with. What more could you want? I mean, so we, we have two front row seats. One of them's really hard, and one of them's I wouldn't trade for the world, right, just to be there with folks on those days. Um, it's pretty awesome. Um, what specific aspect of ministry would you like to grow in, and what are tangible ways that you can achieve that growth? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, when things come up, I try to seek the Lord and address it. Um, I'm really not one for, like, self-reflecting on it and doing it like that, so I don't know. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, an area that I 
I, I know I could grow in is uh, just counseling, and there's been times where I've been asked to talk with people, and it just feels like I'm over my head, and it can be overwhelming. And so just, yeah, to be able to be prepared to, and then when I do talk sometimes with folks, uh, this Scripture isn't on my tongue, and it's I'm not readily availing myself of God's word. So, one way to I think that I can improve that is, yeah, to revisit the IBCD stuff and just grow in wisdom and get immersed in the word, and also just pray. I mean, there's times where during the in the middle of counseling, it's like this is getting deep and i need i need prayer for this because mm-hmm. i don't even know what to say well charlie if you and i could bounce each other out we'd be <laughs> i'm excruciating self reflective <laughs> and always agonizing over it so maybe we should talk yeah. more um the one that came up to my mind on this one is going to be that um i can allow the tyranny the urgent to push prayer into a smaller corner than it deserves. So the needs of the church, I, I can allow to go into just action mode and address them uh, with not a significant or sufficient amount of prayer. And so that's just self-discipline, is just just not allowing the, the urgent to push that out or to infringe on it. And so that's probably the biggest one that stands out in my mind. Yeah, if I could just comment... These guys, I think one thing that would help with my counseling of people is to hang out with these two. I Regularly, when I am in a counseling session with them, it's amazing. They're really good at what they do, and um, regularly it's like I'm getting counseled by them. And it's, it's, you guys, this whole congregation is blessed by having good pastors and pastors that have counseled with hundreds and hundreds of people, and they're good at what they do. So if you've got issues and problems, overwhelm them. <laughs> Especially if you're a teenager. Just kind of yeah. <laughs> uh, question four that Eric put out there was, um, in our Christian walks, who is your mentor in the Christian faith? What do they teach you? How important was uh, how important were they in your walk? Uh, how important is it to seek an older brother or sister to come alongside you? And how can we better kind of foster mentoring relationships here at the church? You want to start out with that one, Charlie? Yeah, I'm the good one. I didn't have a mentor, so I don't know. Um, <laughs> when I became a Christian, it was in a parachurch ministry, and everybody was my age, and that went on for years. And it wasn't until I went to another church that I actually, the elders were actually older than me. And I was like, wow, actually elders, right? <laughs> uh, so I got mentored from books and reading a lot of um, really good uh, books on you know, theology and on Christianity in gener- general. And I, I would say that's what really mentored me most. And of course, acknowledging that God does that through his Holy Spirit. Then I have been blessed to be 
labor with godly men. Brian's been a real influence, and I've been under his the ministry of his word for you know decades now. So that obviously that's been great. Uh, Daniel's been a big influence in my life for the short time he's been in it. Uh, but it's neat just to be around godly men, even though you're not like in a mentor relationship, just to be with godly people is a blessing. And I've been blessed. Uh, Bob Feltman was a godly man, and I count him as a dear friend, and it was one of the biggest influences in my life just to be friends with him. Yeah, so one of the biggest mentors that I've had was an old pastor from our church in San Diego who came alongside, uh, yeah, he came alongside Cass and I, and he was, we call him uh, Dad Ewing. He was like a father. And so he uh, would just do the simplest and most beautiful of things where he would uh, ask us over just this hospitality. And so every Sunday, it was like a given you guys coming over, right? And we're like, sure. <laughs> and uh, just the way that he spoke with us and loved us and was an example to us. Um, I remember Cass and I regularly coming to him with problems and issues, and and he would listen so intently to what we were saying and then ask follow-up questions and what was so remarkable about Dad Ewing is that he would sometimes not give any feedback for like a week. And then he would be, you know, I was talking to my wife about this and praying about it. And I want to sit down with you guys again and talk to you about how to better address. So he was very careful and not just hammering out advice, but he was such a good listener and just a, a sweet man that loved people and shepherded them. And so, um, yeah, that was one of my best, my mentors in the faith. And yeah, as far as seeking out mentors, I think, Daniel, you're super good about, why don't you talk about that, about... Um, <laughs> Are you saying I need to seek out more mentors no. myself? Because that's true. I think you were saying, uh, yeah, just yeah. The, the importance of it. Yeah. So I think there's two types of mentorship. I think there's very structured, intentional mentorship and very kind of normal life of what Charlie calls just being your friend kind of mentorship. So I've had, I've had the pleasure of both. Um, for a short period of time, one of the elders of our church, uh, the church I grew up in, uh, mentored me last end of high school and then early in college and um, one of the most godly human beings I'll ever ever know and so that looked more structured like I would drive over to his house and I remember one time I just got back from college full of salt and vinegar no tact I mean I don't have much now but imagine less scary and I had a horrible professor at at the school I was going to and it was in the pastoral department of all things like won't go into the details but awful and he saw I came in just loaded for bear and I was like I'm gonna tell you about this and da 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 
and he like he he is the like the most firm he's ever been with me. He goes, I'm going to stop you right there. He said, you will not tell me names. You will not tell me details to which I can figure out this person. You will not gossip in my presence. If you, and he like laid it out. And you just, like at that point, you've lost a lot of the salt and the vinegar. <laughs> but it impacted me. Like just that one interaction with him has made me, what I hope is like hypersensitive about gossiping and hearing gossip because it always takes two to gossip, right? And so under those circumstances, I like laid out the case and he gets to the end, like we get to the end, I'm ready for him to be like, all right, he's an idiot. He's like, you know, you want to hear and be vindicated. He goes, all right, a couple of like follow-up questions. How often are you praying for him? Ah, this was a mistake. <laughs> nah, I don't. All right, well, there's a problem. Uh, and, I mean, it was just vicious in a good sense of what a, uh, just a really proud, arrogant young man needed to hear. Uh, most of the mentorship I've received has been informal. So been, I've just been, I've had the privilege of being surrounded by strong men. And men who are willing to live life with me tagging along and watching and learning. And so uh, that's something I did not, like I didn't realize what a rare thing it was until I left home. Didn't realize that having a lot of strong men in my life was a, a huge, not only did I have a, a fantastic dad, I had like multiple dad figures that would um, each be more than willing to tear me a new one uh, when the situation deserved it or to, you know, just to have me help them with a project or whatever. So I, I try to cultivate similar relationships with those around me of just trying to pour in specifically just with the younger guys uh, that they know that they can always come talk to me, that they can come help me with a project that sometimes I know, and, and this is where we kind of get fouled up, I think, on our mentoring is we think we have to have all of our just all of life figured out. If that's the case, no one's mentoring anybody. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't even have to have a ton of it figured out. If you're one step ahead, maybe, you can at least influence on that one step. So I think that's a, that is a huge deterrent to mentorship is people are like, ah, I'm a messed up sinner too. You're like, okay, well show them how you go to a gracious, loving Savior. And that'll encourage them. The other thing is, I, I think we are too worried about things being structured. There's times we're just working with an older man on a wood project he's got. And talking is so formative for a young man. And watching uh, and seeing what he says or doesn't say when he whacks his uh, thumb with a hammer. Or how he interacts with his wife. Or how he interacts with his kids. Or how he sings at church. Those are all so valuable. Um, and I, I can't speak from the uh, perspective of uh, ladies, obviously. But I would think uh, it would be similar to that of young men. Young ladies need other women to show them what godliness looks like in inherently feminine ways. Just like young men need um, to see what godliness looks like in particularly masculine ways. 
And so cultivating a church where that happens uh, regularly, this is a, a something that uh, Charlie just hits on all the time, is instead of this formal, weird, synthetic situation, just be a good friend. Could you just, just be a good friend? Just love them and... They'll teach you about the Lord, and, and hopefully you'll teach them about the Lord as well. So I think a lot of mentoring should happen on that level. I, not a whole lot should happen or does happen in that highly structured, like, every Tuesday we did. You know, and there's times, like, where you're like, every Sunday, this is what it looked like, and it was wonderful for this season. That does happen. Uh, but I've found most mentoring, discipleship, um, just with everyday brothers and sisters, and I learned things from them, and hopefully they learned a little bit from me. And that's, that's just that fellowship and friendship that should thrive in a church. But we have uh, run out of time, so Charlie, would you close this in prayer? Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for your grace and your mercy in our lives. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, for how great he is. And what a great salvation he brings. And we pray that today, Lord, would be a day where uh, everything that's done would be done in a way to bring glory to you through your son, Jesus Christ. We pray that people would come here in this morning and would, who do not know you and would hear your word. And we pray, God, for their salvation. We pray for all your people, Lord, that you open up our ears and receive what you have for us today. Uh, We thank you for all the money that you brought in so that we can operate. We thank you for one another. And Lord, we, uh, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that you were edified by this message. For additional sermons as well as information on giving to the ministry of Grace Community Church, please visit us online at gracenevada.com. That's gracenevada.com.